0: guys, and welcome to this Thread of Life podcast. Happy to have you back. This is going to be uh, episode two, three, I guess, total. Because the first one didn't really count to the count. Because was kind of like I introducing ourselves. Yeah,
1: though, it was buddy. more of an introduction.
0: Yeah, We'll call it number two then. So building on last, uh, last week, we talked about uh, gardening and growing what you eat and eating what you grow. Um, and not just growing some random stuff because it's pretty. But you can do that. Uh, This week, we're talking about food preservation, what to do when you find a bunch of really good stuff on sale, or you grow a whole bunch of abundance, or it's just that time of year and your chickens are really, really cranking out eggs. So let's uh, go ahead and get started. Today is, what is it? Is it May? Is our May?
1: Yes. It is May 15th.
0: May 15th. Wow, May's really come, this year's gone by quick so far.
1: Yeah, it's
0: Quince de Mayo. Hey, everybody, raise a beer. Yeah, It's a new holiday. New holiday. It's like every five days throughout the rest of May, it's just a new de Mayo. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. All right. So, uh, some news going around the house. The chicken is still alive. Yeah, George is uh, still very much alive. He is completely habituated to Tanius. I
1: don't know if you told him about George. You didn't tell him
0: about oh, George. Oh, I didn't tell you guys no. about George. Holy crap. Okay. So, uh, like, was it before? Yeah, I guess it was right before the last podcast. Is it? Uh, I was just like walking outside. It had been really rainy here. And um, I had some- there was a wild, random street chicken that had made a nest in my blackberries. And so I just walked outside, and then, like, there was a brand-new hatch baby chicken, like, in a puddle of water. And everybody knows, like, brand, brand new. Like, still, like, got egg pieces stuck to it. And, um it, you, you know, they just don't make it if they get wet or if they stay wet or if they get chilled. You know, it was pretty chilly, wind blowing. This thing was dead. I picked it up by a leg because I was like, ah, it looks dead. And then it, like, twitched a little. And I was like, uh, maybe if I warm it up. So I brought it inside, warmed it up, Get it, you know, once it started moving around, got some electrolytes down it, and then it just like, boom, sprung back to life. And uh, I let my daughter have it because I was like, yeah, no biggie. I mean, if she just mauls it to death, she mauls it to death. She's a four year old. Well, it turns out that she's really good with the baby chickens, and uh, she promptly, just right off the bat, named it George, just randomly. We don't have anything named George, do we? No. Not at all.
1: She doesn't watch Curious George or anything like that, and she just randomly said, you know, we asked her, what's, what's your chicken's
0: name? And she said, George. Yep. So, and she's been very serious George. that it's George, and it has to be George, and there's no other name for it. And um anyway, so she just, like, this chicken has no idea it's a chicken now. And it's been just completely habituated to her. It just sits there, you know, eats its food. It's growing like crazy, as chickens do. Uh, And she just, like, ninja hands in there like normally you have to approach baby chicks or chickens like really careful so they don't get skittish this thing's not skittish at all it's just like this is my life now it's just i'm mauled constantly (laughs) yeah i'm george i'm just mauled constantly by this giant human all right man she's put george in weird places she has a little like uh jewelry box and she was like carrying around the jewelry box suspiciously carefully and i was like what you got there?" You know, like any, any like you know, parent, they got that kind uh, of sixth sense of what their kid's doing. And I'm like, you got something in there you're not supposed to have. She's like, it's a George. And I'm like, oh, crap. Hopefully, hopefully he's alive. Open the, the little box and he just looks at me and blinks. He's like, yeah, perfectly happy. So, yeah, she's just, she's really enjoyed it. Well, we got, uh, I, I decided that George was going to be loudly. I didn't understand the amount of commitment that, that uh, our daughter was going to have for George. So I didn't know that she was going to literally be with George from the time that she wakes up to the time we drag her to bed, right? I didn't know that she was just, that George is her new spirit animal. So I figured, eh, get two or three days, she'll get bored. I don't want to release the chicken back into the wild. She's going to die. The mom's already ran off with all the other chicks. Um, So I went to Tractor Supply, as one does, to get a couple of chicken supplies. I was tired of feeding off a paper plate. I wanted to get an actual feeder and whatnot. Well, they had chicks. It's chick season. And I was like, I want to buy one chick. I just need one to keep George. Like, you know, I tried to tell him, hey, I got George. tried to tell him to George, and they're like, sorry, we have a policy. We can only sell them in groups of four. So now we have five. <laughs> like, chickens. We have George and two Lavender Orpingtons and two Gold Sex Links. Yeah. Because they were just tiniest like the Lavender Orpingtons. Because she said they look like Wednesday Adams. And she named one spider and one. I don't
1: remember which name one, but she definitely named one
0: spider. What was spider? It's like, well, that's a great kind of chicken name, I guess. And uh, then the other two chickens, she just named them generically Goldie. They're just together. They're just Goldie. They're just That's it. They don't have any other names. They can't tell. Like, which one's this one? You lift it up. Goldie. What's this one? Goldie. So they're just a binary pair. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, the Latin Dwarping Huns are pretty cool, man. They're really chill. Uh, they're growing a lot faster than the other chickens, which is suspicious. But uh, they're, uh, you know, Lavender Orpington's a big body chicken anyway. So uh, maybe it's just that they're going to be big girls. But
1: Hopefully we'll put out an excess of eggs, yeah. which is why we're talking about food preservation today.
0: So it's, uh, that brings us into, I don't want to, leave to ask, we'll talk about the skill of the week. So let's say you've got uh, all your chickens. Your chickens are making their happy little buck nuggets super, super quick, fast in a hurry as they do during the late spring and summer months when they're not malted. One of the best ways you can preserve those extra eggs. Everybody's heard about what's called like the, the, uh, water glass method, right? I believe that's sodium acetate that you mix with water. Uh, I believe it. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And, um, you, uh, Preserve your eggs that way. And that's been a way that the people have been preserving their eggs to send them back, like, on the wagon trains. And, like, if you ordered eggs from uh, the old Sears and Roebuck catalogs way, way back in the day. Was it sodium acetate?
1: Yeah, it's pickling lime in water solution.
0: Yeah, <clears> that's right.
1: It's sodium acetate,
0: right? No, I mean, there's an actual water glass thing for it. But, I mean, that, that works really well. Uh, I'm probably somebody. Somebody will will. We'll, well, tell me if I'm wrong or right or wrong. Anyway, who knows? Maybe I just made that word up. Um, but uh, so, water glassing eggs is uh, one way you could preserve them. And that was a very, very common way where they would preserve the eggs for long journeys. I mean, they'll last up to a year. in once you wash them and then you water glass them. So, super, super awesome. Cool stuff. Uh, and if everybody wants to look at water glassing, that's not the skill of the week. The skill of the week is going to be pickling! So you can pickle your eggs, and lots of people have seen pickled eggs, you know, you, have to, you go to uh, old-timey uh, feed stores, stuff like that, they have pickled eggs. Some small towns, they still have pickled eggs in the, um, what do you call those? The movie theaters. Uh, our movie theater growing up had was a little bitty tiny thing. Like, back in the day, we used to think it was huge, right? But that was just because like we were small but uh now it's laughably tiny it's probably only got like you know like 20 rows of seats and they're only probably 12 12 seats across so very very small and uh they got pickled eggs and then just ginormous pickles that were great they weren't like the pickles they were less i think they made them or somebody in town made them because they were in a huge crock not like uh the, the gallon pickle jars you get nowadays, they were this giant glass crock. It had to have been three and a half, four gallon crock. And um, they were not nearly as salty as the, the chickens. I think they were the old, the old way they used to make uh, um, pickles is with alum. And I believe they were the old alum type uh, like pickles because they left that uh, tingly sensation on your tongue. But so we're going to get, we're going to go ahead and talk about a generic pickled egg recipe. You're just going to get yourself a dozen smaller eggs. You know, might be the first ones of the season or just random butt nuggets you got laying around. You get uh, three cups of white vinegar, uh, a quarter cup of white sugar, one tablespoon of salt, uh, two cloves of garlic, which is way not enough garlic for anybody. I mean, There's nothing that requires two cloves of garlic. The only thing that two cloves of garlic requires is four more cloves of garlic. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's like, I love
1: garlic. Yeah. I put
0: extra garlic. There's no recipe that, that requires two cloves of garlic. Anyway, this is just the classic one. Is, uh two cloves of garlic and one bay leaf. So you bring uh, basically all that to a boil. Um, yeah, you, you hard boil your eggs. You, then you bring all of your uh, sauce, all your ingredients there, the vinegar, the sugar, salt, everything like that to a boil. Uh, remove it from heat. You're supposed to peel the eggs and um, then put them in there. And then, you know, seal the jar and refrigerate for a week before you serve it. Some people are like, oh, put one slice of jalapeno or something like that. No. When I do pickled eggs, I'm like, the the jar is about 50% peppers. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, You're super extra. So. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's got peppers. And all. I try to pick a bunch of different pretty ones from the garden. You got some red jalapenos, some green jalapenos, some random top peppers. Some uh, chili pekin or my favorite pepper in the entire world. So I always have a bunch of them in there. And then, uh, you know, sometimes I like to use uh, like beet juice just because it makes the outside of the egg red. It doesn't actually add much flavor or taste to it other than it just looks cool. Um, when you bite into it, it looks like multiple layers, like like like, uh, like the, the earth's crust being cut open. It's not a cool looking thing. Well, uh, once they're pickled, now these ones are ones that will be like refrigerator pickled eggs. You can water bath can these, and then they'll be good forever, like, you know, at least a year uh, on your uh, just regular counter. So water bath canning, a whole bunch of extra pickled eggs would be a great way to go. Um, Water glassing uh, eggs, old-timey way, great way. It's pickling lime and water solution. Uh, Eggs, you wash your eggs, and then you put them down inside of that solution. And they're good. Because what that pickling lime does is it goes in and reacts with the calcium on, on in the egg, and it fills in all those little micro holes that are on the outside, allow the egg to breathe and exchange fluids and uh, exchange air with the outside world. So it basically just fills it in and creates its own little sterile environment. And because of that, and because of the pH of it, they don't, they just don't go bad. But we're talking, like, that's how you, they used to get eggs in the Old West, is you'd order them through the Sears and Roebuck by the, by the half-barrel, and then they'd show up by the half barrel. So like a half barrel that was five to 600 eggs, a full barrel was a thousand or something like that. But I mean, you're talking about they last for a year and they're just shipped in a wooden barrel. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool. The old way they used to move eggs, man, yeah, pretty neat. Uh, one of the other ways we've done is dehydrating the eggs works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Because of that, we know that one thousand one hundred and forty-four eggs fits in a five-gallon bucket. Once you've (laughs) once you've dehydrated them and then put them in little packets, we put uh, two
1: dozen eggs per per packet per little packet, right? So it just takes a little bit of water to reconstitute the egg. Uh, You kind of want to let it sit and like you want to stir it. um, You know, you want to stir the water in the egg for a little bit in a bowl. Let it sit for a little bit and then cook it, and then you'll get that fluffy texture.
0: Wasn't it yeah. like one tablespoon of egg powder and two tablespoons of water?
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, it's one tablespoon of egg and powder. An
1: egg.
0: Yeah, and that because that, there's a whole egg. So uh, if I remember correctly, I think I saw you do it. Was you took the eggs, you cracked them into the blender, you blended the crap out of them, um, and then you poured them on the fruit roll up trays, and then popped them in the the dehydrator. The dehydrator. Mm-hmm. And then once they came out like peanut brittle, because I remember grinding them up with the coffee grinder until they were powder, and then you measured them out and it came out to be a couple of cups for two cups or something like that It's like two dozen eggs or something like mm-hmm. that yeah and yeah. Uh,
1: so that was that's one way um the other way too is freeze drying you know so if if you all have freeze dryers or if you're interested in purchasing a freeze dryer um that's also a great way to preserve food um so this would basically you'd be freeze drying the eggs um you do the same method you know you'd blend the eggs you would uh spread it on on a sheet um you'd freeze dry it and then you would reconstitute...
0: Um, I've seen them... Reconstitute
1: it by adding water.
0: Now, I'm a member of a whole, like, like Betty's Freeze Dry Club and stuff like that on 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 Facebook. And I've seen them not... What, tell you not to blend the eggs. Just because it adds too much air. And then the eggs go to, like... Like, fluffy when they add the uh, vacuum to the eggs. It's more
1: like a light scramble. Yeah. Those.
0: They're just, like, whisking them lightly. Yeah. They're not just... It just... Cause, you put meringue, anything that can sure. expand will in the freeze dryer will expand. Cause how the freeze dryer? A little quick rundown how a freeze dryer works. is a freeze dryer draws a vacuum down, like ours does, like a hundred pa- like Pascal or something like that, a hundred. Um, what's, what's it called? The milli, uh, milli, whatever. Um. So, uh, and then the regular like air is like twelve thousand five. Excuse me. 500 of these little, like, uh, milli, uh, little measurement of, uh, man, what is the measurement called? It's, uh, man, I usually always have this on the top of my tongue because I'm always talking about this to people. I'm, like, a huge proponent of freeze-drying. I'm about to go look at the freeze-dryer and push the button on it and set to <laughs> make it make it tell me what it is. But, uh, so, it's going to, it's going to, like, absolute zero is, like, a total vacuum is, pure vacuum is zero. Right, and regular air is like twelve thousand five hundred, and um this thing draws it down to like one hundred, right I think it's a mega Pascal isn't it?
1: I'm looking
0: yeah uh, just google h p a whatever that is I think it's a mega Pascal man i I talk about this stuff all the day all the time what is? Vacuum measured in. Da-doo. There's a word in here. Millimeters of Mercury. MMH or Tor. Tor, that's a it has Pascal, use Pascal's. Look, other fields of vacuum use Pascal. I was just using it wrong because Pascal's for the furnace industry. <laughs> All right, so Tor, right? So we're at like 1250 Tor. Or millimeters of mercury, and we draw down our little harvest try to get down to like a 100, 150 tour. Awesome, right? That's so close to absolute, like, super vacuum of space. It's ridiculous. So once it draws down to that, then it gets super cold, like negative 30. I think we have our set of negative 30. I mean, look at the negative 60, but 30 is more than enough. I mean, uh, super frozen is a destination, not a journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Why, why spend the extra time? So it gets down like negative 30 degrees, everything in there freezes in a perfect, like as close to perfect vacuum as you get. And then there's little, there's little warmers on the bottom of the trays. And those warm the, the, the food up without warming the actual tray or the chamber up. So all of the, the water inside of the food item that's on the tray goes directly from a solid to a vapor with not ever going back through being a liquid. And that's how freeze drying works. And that's why the freeze dried food looks different than just dehydrated food. Is because it, lo- it just looks like you just magically touched it with the Midas touch of water removal, right? It just, boom, just gone. It's, it's awesome. It's a great way to store stuff. If you can budget a freeze dryer, they're sweet. They're, they're really, really cool. The biggest problem I have is with the large and the extra large that they do have now. Is they require a dedicated circuit and a special plug. That's my only complaint with them: is it finding somewhere to plug it in, or without having to have your your uh, electric electrician buddy come over and, and just run you a circuit to it. So, about the regular medium size, which does what six to twelve pounds of food mm-hmm. or whatever at a go, uh, will uh, just does just plugs in a regular standard outlet. So they're totally they're totally worth having. They're kind of a luxury item. You don't need them as a, you know a homesteader or a preparedness individual. They're super nice to have. They do open up a whole bunch of venues for you to make money. If you have a freeze dryer and it is not paying for itself, then you're doing something wrong. We make baby food. What else do we do? Like freeze dried baby food oh, is awesome.
1: Freeze dried baby food.
0: Um, Man, it's do... so convenient. We sell Fruits, little pouches,
1: veggies. Yeah. Uh, I do toddler snacks, um, which is really cool because you know exactly what your toddler's eating. Everybody My daughter candy. loves um loves bananas. Uh, she loves all the fruit, oh, so yeah. she absolutely loves that. So I rather oh, have that than are any type of processed foods or killer. candies or anything. Um, people do candies with freeze dryers. I'm not a super fan of it. I know it sells well. Um, so if you're looking to you mm-hmm. know monetize your freeze dryer and, and have it pay for itself, then candy is a good way to go. Um, I'm just not. I, I like to stick to the more organic, non-processed foods, and uh, so that therefore I. There know,
0: was a bunch of people uh, freeze dry and other people's breast milk.
1: Oh yeah, breast milk. That's a big um, one. Yeah, that is a big one.
0: It seems a little oogy. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming from the medical field, I don't normally touch other humans' fluids. Um, like unless I have to, and even then, it's with gloves. Uh, and but like breast milking other people like, i don't know i don't know to me it's googie but uh that's just
1: people do it they actually go and uh freeze dry the breast milk in the use.
0: yeah no there's there's volunteers that do it and there's people that that do it for like they make money on it. right like good money on it. uh they freeze dry it and they put it back into a, a a container and they send it back to the person and it works out really well that way because it's just add water at
1: that yeah. point Yeah. and you're extending the shelf life of the milk from from three months what it normally would be you know in a freezer to you know years a, yeah
0: yeah pretty much indefinitely and everything that's freeze-dried is not going to go bad until it gets liquid because it's completely uh inert like th- there's no thing that can happen metabolically with it uh unless it gets water in there but on that vein dry.
1: you have to put you have to um package it correctly um because you don't want to allow <laughs> you don't know what you don't want to allow air in because when you yeah. allow air in you allow moisture and it also depends on where you live if you live in a more humid environment then obviously that's going to create more moisture and you have to be extra careful yeah like south
0: central uh, arizona so is not going to have to worry too much about surfboards. that yeah but like out here in southern texas yeah, yeah. It's, it's humid, humid. <laughs>
1: florida like gets humid you yeah. know so yeah we don't
0: talk about Florida. yeah <laughs>
1: It's not sort
0: of real. Florida no, is not a real place. It it you the that is. story comes out of Florida? It's not a real place. It's totally made up.
1: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, just, you know, I'm a big fan of freeze drying. But, of course, you know, there's the old-time methods that you can use. as Well, uh, just have a plan when you're growing your food, you know, you're going to have an excess, you're going to have surplus food. You're just going to have food in general. And so you have to think like, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to store it? Do I have room to store it? Am I going to can it? Am I going to, you know, how much shelf life? And there's a lot that comes into play, right? Because you also have to make sure you date everything. Um, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to open up something that you know has been there sitting there too long and then you just don't have a date on it. That's just not fun. Sure, um, um, and you have to also when you're canning, you have to be, you know, there's safety concerns too. Like, you know, are you canning correctly? Are the seals properly sealed? You know, things it's like pretty that. Pretty
0: easy. Like, don't let it seem like it's da- it's daunting. I don't know. To me, it might be just super easy because I grew up doing it and it's not scary at all. Um,
1: no, it's super easy. It's you just have to have a plan super. for it.
0: She is a planner,
1: I'm a planner, it. as you can tell. My husband's like, you know, fly off the cuff, but no, I'm a everything
0: planner. I do works. <laughs> you can plan you have
1: like the midas touch and it pisses
0: me off so like we have uh, i went to the uh, asian grocery store love the asian grocery stores guys if you aren't utilizing your your ethnic uh, grocery stores whether they're asian grocery stores or hispanic grocery stores you are missing out on some great produce for cheap i went and i got like like two pounds of uh Thai chilies, like the super red Thai chilies. I, I paid oh, two dollars a pound for them, so four bucks for two pounds of Thai chilies. What are you gonna do with two pounds of ch- ch- chilies? I'm gonna ferment them. One of my favorite things to do is I ferment things. If I can find a reason to ferment something, I'm gonna ferment it. I just <laughs> like the way I like the whole process, I like the magic crap that happens behind fermenting. Um, I like the flavor it gives stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the byproduct of alcohol. So if I'm making like beer or wine or something, uh, like fermenting to me is just amazing. We always have fermented foods, whether it's sauerkraut. Green whether beans. the beans. Yeah, man, we should so talk good. about the fermenting green beans. So um, quick overview of fermenting, fermenting something as a way to preserve it. You can ferment almost any vegetable or make any sort of hot sauce Or even fruits in hot sauce. So mango chipotle salsa is is amazing if you ferment it. You need to be between two and four percent brine by weight. So like you weigh all your weigh all your stuff together and you want to come out, you want to take that weight, your water, your everything, and you wanna bring that whole weight, you want to bring it to two to four percent of brine. I go for three because it's right in the middle. I just go over 3% brine on everything. Works out really well. Really, really well. Now, if you're doing something small that's not going to absorb a lot of water, like uh, peppers or your green beans, stuff like that, then just do your water itself and bring the water to a 3% brine, right? Uh, And then you're good. You can just pour that over whatever you're pouring it over, and you've got enough wiggle room on either way in there that you're not going to drop below any sort of amount that's going to matter. And uh, it'll uh, it'll ferment just fine and, and work out really well for you. So uh, to do the pickled pickled beans, we just took uh, a bunch of green beans we had. Um, I just rinsed them off, snapped the ends. Uh, I think these ones had strings, so I just I made the tiniest, pull all the strings off them. And then we just packed them like pickles into a jar. And then we threw in some, like, oh, was hot peppers and everything. We put a couple of slices of red jalapeno in there, uh, a couple of cloves of garlic, uh, a sprig of deal, and um, we got, like, a whole head of deal, because deal's awesome. Can't get away with it. These are called dilly beans for a reason. And then, like, a handful of garlic, because two cloves of garlic is nothing. Like, don't, don't be scared. And then uh, added our a 3% brine on top of that. And I did add a tablespoon of sugar, because I really wanted this to cook off hard. And then I put these little cool, um, I use these really, really neat little fermentation caps, uh, that fit on wide mouth jars. And, oh man, I wish I remember what the name of them is. Uh, let's check my, let's check the ye old Amazon card. Here we go. Fermenting. Home. so they're the easy fermenter premium wide mouth uh fermentation lids there are three lids three weights and a pump um it's really really cool the lids one of the coolest things uh that, that, that that's that's about it is that the lids have a little dial you can set it to the date that you're going to call it done right you can set it to like you set the little tick to the day of the month it is and you turn the little dial to how many days away you want it to be done, and it's done. It's twenty four dollars for uh, three lids, three uh, weights, and the pump. And what the pump does, it's just a little handheld pump. You put the you put your you pack your jar. You leave about uh, two inches of headspace on whatever you're going to put in there. You screw the lid on there. You pop the little pump over the little orange nipple, and you just pump it up, pump it up, pump it up. up, up, up. Uh, it says to give it like three or four good pumps. I pump it till I can't pump it anymore. Uh that's just because why not? (laughs) Like uh it's it's super super awesome. I think it's uh near uh nourished essentials is the store that has these. Uh it's really cool. The weights are glass and they're not just a circle, like they have a handle on them. So it's not something you're just gonna lose in there. You do want to with the dilly beans, because the dilly beans I find that they become very effervescent on the inside during the fermentation process and will float that having the weight on them really, really helps. And then we just did those on the counter for what, like a week? Like four days, five days? Something like that four or five days and then we opened it up and smelled it and it smelled super good. So once it smelled super good we're like, uh, "It's you know, try one and okay, like I like fermenting things but I don't like to be the first person that that uh, tests the fermented food, right? So usually I'm
1: right here. Like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> well, usually, like, remember the beans? I was like, oh, hey, yeah. hon. he
1: had me to, he had me try those first. Yeah. But I love green beans and they smelled phenomenal because he put plenty of garlic and onion yeah. and other seasonings, so I wasn't too scared to try them. Well, I'm sitting and there it was and I'm, I'm
0: holding I'm holding a jar full of beets. I'm like, hey, I'll try this. And so I, I, I snuck up behind her and I say it, so she turns around with the mouth open. She have a green bead in her mouth. She can't say no, right? And she's like, "Oh, this is really good." And I sit there and I watch her for a second. <laughs> and she's like, "Why are you watching me? Oh, just to see if you die."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks. <laughs> just true love.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, no, the jelly beans are super awesome, guys. They're so easy to make. Uh, they're a great treat. The, the cool, like I said, they become kind of effervescent. So when you chew in them, they kind of got like a they kind of come sparkly on the inside. How does that like? They're fizzy.
1: They're they're fizzy. Yeah, they're fizzy. Fizzy, like
0: yeah, they're really really cool, man. They're they're ten out of ten, great treats. Kids love them. Humans love them. Other humans, maybe love them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, they're great. They're great. Love uh, those. Um, what else do I like that you fermented? Um, all the hot sauce. The hot sauce. Oh, oh my god, the hot sauce is
0: amazing. Each time you got a whole bunch of extra peppers. Yeah. There's two different ways to do it. Uh, okay, three different ways. Three different ways. There is the bag method, which is super, super easy. That's where you just grind up all your ingredients and you toss them into a, uh, like a, uh, what you, those the, uh, what's that cool little device you have on the counter over there that sucks all the air out of stuff? Food oh, saver the bag. Food yeah, you put it in the food saver bag, you, you vacuum it down, and you're done. And then once the bag inflates all the way big, your fermentation is over. So that's the cool way to do it. That's the cool newest, coolest, cool kid way to ferment hot sauce and stuff uh, is a super fast way like that. It doesn't. It's very, very little mess because you can just – once it's done, you just dump it out into a jar and uh, call it a day. Um, my way is I love those lids, man. They're just so useful. And I like to be able to open the container as it goes and uh, smell it. So I use those those jar lids. There's the open uh, – and that would be just like the jar fermentation method. There's like the open fermentation method using like a crock or something else, like a traditional fermentation. Um, when it comes to doing hot sauces, there's two ways to process your peppers. And I'm, there's the blender way where everybody just tosses everything in a blender and just blends the living crap out of it. Sure, that works great. Uh, but you're breaking open all of those seeds and you're breaking down the structure of that pepper a lot more. You're going to make something really hot. So if you're just going for angry, angry heat, uh, or you're working with a very mild pepper you want to get a little extra heat out of, that works great. It works fantastic. Uh, I run everything through a meat grinder uh, with the finest plate on it. And I find that doing it this way doesn't affect the seeds at all. All the seeds seem to magically make it out without being ground up. Um, And it's really, and everything's uniform size. Don't worry about your hot sauce coming out chunky during the fermentation process. All of the lactobacillus, the bacteria that's going to be doing your fermentation, will break down all the cellulose and all the cells, cell walls, and it'll come out liquidy anyway. But you're not going to break open all the seeds. You're going to get a sweeter, uh, more fruity hot sauce doing it through the grinder than you will through the blender. Make sense? Then it's just... uh, I always add a carrot to every one of my hot sauces. Uh, That might be just like a Mexican thing or Hispanic thing, Uh, like how they add carrots to their jalapenos and stuff. But I find that it actually adds a bit of sweetness and earthiness that is missing in most homemade hot sauces. So super awesome. So like uh, this hot sauce we just made, it was two pounds of um, two pounds of the Thai peppers like uh, one cup of water. Now, I didn't use the sink water because we're not out in the country yet. And we don't have, we don't have like, our water has, yeah, we don't have well water. So this water is like, it smells like chlorine. So I just used the bottle water that, that we buy, um, five gallon jugs. So I just used one cup of that water and then I added my salt by weight, which I didn't actually weigh because I'm just really good at eyeballing things. So I just went, that's right. And then um, I added about a tablespoon of sugar and I added about two tablespoons of rice flour. And I'm adding the rice flour because it's a simple broken down carbohydrate that is um, very, very easy for that lactobacillus to grab a hold of and exponentially grow really, really, really fast. And I want that to take off and start dropping the pH of my liquid. Really, really fast, and then I want a nice, long, slow, controlled fermentation. After I get the population of lactobacillus to a like, re- excuse me, like a ridiculously high level. Um, I have the carrot. I just said that uh, one medium onion and just like a fistful of garlic. What's a fistful? Like maybe six or eight cloves. We,
1: we measure with our hearts. Yeah,
0: <laughs> measuring with our hearts. So, like, and, and we'll have pictures. Because we have an Instagram now, right?
1: Uh, we are working on getting an Instagram put together. We do have a TikTok, guys, so definitely follow us on TikTok. I didn't know we had a this TikTok. Life.
0: I would have cut a TikTok the living crap out of the making of this.
1: Ah, uh, Sorry, honey. Miscommunication. I don't know how
0: to TikTok. How do we TikTok?
1: I TikTok. I can help you TikTok. I will show you. We will have a whole TikTok session. How about that?
0: Okay. I was like, I don't know how to talk Tik.
1: <laughs> Whatever it's
0: called. I know the Chinese own it, but that's about it. Oh um, well, yeah, I'm not supposed to talk about that. Anyway, so <laughs> fermenting things, yeah. So that's one way to do it. Uh, I'd like to go back to talk about just like your regular dehydrators, like your food dehydrators. Nobody's saying that that way doesn't work. We have uh, a really nice uh, Excalibur.
1: We have an Excalibur.
0: Yeah, that we just happened to find at the right price. So it wasn't like we paid a thousand dollars for it or anything. We just happened to we happened to find it at the right place with some people were moving. And they weren't want to take it with them because it's like a bunch of glass and stuff, and it's kind of difficult to move, and it's heavy. And so we picked it up for a song and a dance at a, uh, one of those garage sales. So got next caliber, love it, works super good. The trays are huge, and you, you always every time I turn on, I always feel obligated to fill up all of the trays with as much crap as I can. Yeah,
1: and then I feel like I don't have enough to fill up. You know, oh, the trays are they're huge. huge, they really are big. It's got trays.
0: 11 trays, and the trays wow. are like two foot by two foot, you know, so that's a
1: lot of room. I mean,
0: there's 44 square feet of freaking room in that
1: mm-hmm. bag of thing. So, you that's can a, dehydrate veggies, you can dehydrate meats, you know, probably if you want a, to do jerky, like you know, jerky paste, you could do that. Oh, yeah, the jerky um, we've kind of done thing? plenty of, of jerky in our Excalibur. Um, We now use our smoker for jerky because that's just it just tastes better. Oh, it's super Um, easy to do. And it's easy, but yeah, yeah, so love that thing.
0: But uh, you know, just you'll you'll find that when you there's certain things I like to freeze dry and fruits definitely freeze dry. Um, but like as far as vegetables go, dehydrator. I like the um, I like the way that the that the stuff rehydrates when it in like soups and stews when it comes out of the uh, the dehydrator versus the freeze dryer. I find that if you if you t- chop a bunch of like carrots from the freeze dryer into the stew pot, sometimes they'll get kind of mushy. But if you junk them from the fr- the regular dehydrator into the stew pot, that they go back to being carrots. Mm-hmm. You know, so like carrots, onions, garlic. Any of that stuff, uh, potatoes, if you're going to try to do potatoes, stuff like that, all that is going to be definitely going to go through the regular regular dehydrator.
1: Mm, the, the free freezer is good for mashed potatoes. Yeah. So if you wanted to do mashed potatoes and do those- Just don't like, whip
0: just, them really hard. Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> don't whip them really hard, but then you'll have that powder um, texture. Yeah. And so you'll reconstitute that using like heavy cream or, or milk or whatever you want to use. Um, but I like the mashed potatoes in the free shower. Um, but he's right. Like, I prefer uh, the fruits, you know, in the freeze dryer I like. Um, I also do whipped cream. So I do, like, you know, strawberries and cream. So I'll do, like, little dots of whipped cream and then fruit and then just kind of make them fun, you know, make little fun pouches for my toddler. Yeah, you to, put those in, the, on.
0: uh, in one of those piping
1: bags, Yeah, right? I, I do them in little piping bags and I just do little dollops of whipped cream on a tray. And they come out really good. And My toddler loves them. Everybody loves them. That's with a freeze know? dryer. And that's in the freeze dryer. They come out yeah. like
0: little, like uh, yogurt drops. Yeah, like
1: yogurt drops. Yep. And I mm-hmm. also do yogurt drops, so that's another good one. Uh, yogurt drops uh, for your toddler, for your for your kids. You know, those are good snacks. Um, and I generally run those through the freeze dryer.
0: So basically, most vegetables I like to run through the uh, through the regular dehydrator, um, unless I'm pickling them, and unless i and then or powdering them. If I'm going to powder them, I like to run them through the the freeze dryer, freeze dryer. definitely. Um because man, it's really cool. I don't know how to explain it.
1: If you ever had um astronaut food, you yeah. know like
0: Yeah, but like when you get like when we make tiniest okay, when we make the baby food, we take the food the 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 fruit or vegetables or whatever we're doing, and then we cook it or however it needs to be prepared, run it through the freeze dryer and then grind it up using like a coffee grinder and then we put it in the pouches. So that when the mom on the go ever needs to tap some, she just can. Ha- she just has to carry like a little container full of water, right? And then she just needs to dump her water into a pouch, add a couple of scoops of the freeze dried baby food, and then they just mash it up with her hand in the pouch, where a Ziploc bag works really well. And to do, she's got she's got baby food that's back to how it was in its mashed up form.
1: And again, you know, what's in your baby food. That is a super yeah. important part for the mother, you know, just knowing what's in her kid's food and it's just the convenience of it. Right. You don't have, you don't need a refrigerator. You don't need to, you know um, you don't have this container, a glass container that can break or that can mold, you know, um, a lot of those pouches, like even the, the little pouches that you get um, from the grocer, you know, they have, I mean, I've heard stories where moms will open them up and find, you know, gunky nastiness in them. And I just, I just never felt right giving them to our daughter. I just didn't trust them. So I wanted to do something that I knew what was in it. You know, I wanted it to be convenient and I wanted something that didn't mold and, and was safe.
0: So yeah, if I'm going to powder something, I usually run it through the the freeze dry because things come out powdered really well, mm-hmm. except for spices. Yeah, and I'm going to say the caveat there is going to be uh The the spices, because if you're going to open a container a bunch of times to get in and out of it like you would with the spices, like a jar on the shelf with like a steak salts or something like that, then opening the jar many times is is introducing more and more humidity to it, right? And then whatever you have in there that's freeze-dried is eventually going to turn into a big block, like mush. Uh, Not very cool. Um, And uh, yeah, it's super, super hydrophilic. Like really, really loves loves water, uh, but yeah. As far as spices, everything else goes. You're gonna need your your dehydrator as well. One of the best places to find dehydrators, and what we did before we ended up stumbling into the good Excalibur, is that we would find a bunch of them all at uh, Goodwill. People buy the buy the things they donate them. They buy them and donate them. Donate them, and, don't. and then um, you'll find the, the especially those Nesco. I'm going to call them a Nesco type. They're those circular dehydrators that stack, like each level oh, stacks yeah. on top of each other. I'm going to call those the Nesco type, because I believe they were one of the first ones that came out with the circle ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, they can be had for like 10, 12 bucks, whatever. If you find one that has the top dehydrator part, but doesn't have the trays, buy it for five bucks. You can turn a five gallon bucket into a whole big dehydrator rack, because that thing will almost exactly fit the top of a five gallon bucket. and works really, really, really well. You can jerry-rig all sorts of stuff as long as you have that dehydrator, a little forced air heater fan part that's programmable. That's the most important part of that whole cool setup. So we've covered that. Uh, canning is really, really easy. I'd suggest you pick up like the Ball or the Kerr uh, canning handbook. Uh, that stuff has been around forever and ever. It's got great resources to go in it. But basically, you need to just be as clean as you can while you pack everything. And then I skip a few steps, like, uh, you know, there's, oh, you need to boil your jars, and then you're going to add all your stuff to your boiled jars. Why am I going to sterilize the jars to sterilize the jars, right? I don't do that. So, like, if if I'm going to can, like, soup or stew, I'll take my jars, and I'll heat them up on the stove. I'll just have them on the stove next to the pot that's cooking. So I'm not taking cold jars from like the garage or something and dumping hot liquid in them so they explode. And then I'll just take the jars and rinse them out because I don't like that. I think they flush them with ethylene gas or or something to like uh, sterilize them, right? Because they have this kind of very particular chemical smell uh, to the inside of the jars when you first open them. So we just rinse them out with water real quick. And then set them upside down to dry next to the stove so they can heat up, just, you know, room temperature and above. And then we just uh, cook our stew, eat what we're going to eat from it that day, you know, set it aside, and then um, ladle it hot into our jars. And then throw the lid on and then put those into the pressure cooker, like straight into the pressure canner. And then they get pressure canned. So it's like, why are you going to sterilize a jar to sterilize a jar to put sterile food in it to put it into the you know, pressure can or just skip in the whole boil the jars for you know an hour thing? Just skip that. I skip it. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, it's never killed me or my family. It's worked out really, really well. When I water bath things, I do the same way. Like if I'm making jam or jelly, I put my jam or jelly in there, boiling, boiling hot, straight from the boiling hot. Straight from as soon as it so, when I make jam or jelly, one nifty little trick that I use is I put uh, a couple of spoons, usually like a dozen or however many I can get away with, my wife letting me do in the freezer, so that I can take them out and then dip them real fast, just like in and out, straight up, into my hot boiling jam or jelly mix, and then as and then hold the spoon up and watch it drip off, right? So if it drips two drips it's not done if it drips like one drip and then kind of like just globs there at the end it's almost done and if i can dip it in and pull it out and it doesn't drip at all it's done it's ready to go it will gel beautifully and it's time to just really really fast ladle it into jars throw the top on and you're good to go right like it's it's happiness and sunshine um and uh, then I'll take those jars and I've, I figure I'm putting in like 235, 240 degree boiling sugar. Uh, I've never had one go bad if I've just charred it, canned it just like that, right? Uh, because you, nothing is going to survive that hot. And that whole jar and the ring and everything, you've got, what, one second to put the lid on before the whole dang thing gets stupid hot? Yeah. Like, you have to move really, really fast. It's kind of you have to move together really, really fast. It's probably the most dangerous way to can, and I'm probably doing it wrong, but this is how grandma did it. And um, it worked for her, and it worked for us. We haven't ever had, I've never had a jam go bad. No,
1: we've never had a jam go bad. And there's something just, you know, it's just really nice to be able to open your own jams, and it's just tasty, you know, it's in it again. I, I'm just a real, um, I'd like to know what's in my food, right? I I hear too many horror stories and I just get the heebie-jeebies with things that are going on, the way things are are packaged and and preserved and what's in it. Um, That I just have peace of mind when we do it all on our own and and we feed that to our daughter and she loves it and it's just delicious. And it's also, it just makes us feel good. You know, it's just cute. It's cute that we we do that. It's cute that we enjoy it as a family. And she's learning these old-timey skills that are going to help her when she gets older.
0: Yeah. And uh, I do, we do water bath can anything that I've, any sort of vegetables I've fermented. You can water bath can all those, but you're going to end the pickling process. Right. So, whatever like your dilly beans are at, and you pop those guys into the water bath, they're done. Like that, they're not going to become more pickly over time. You've, you've ended the pickly process. I, like, I like, We got some of them in the back of the fridge that are probably, what, three months old? Mm-hmm. They're, they're still, still crisp and great. Yep. They
1: still taste uh, super fresh.
0: Super great. So they work out really, really well. One really good, nice
1: in a salad, too. Yeah,
0: chop them up, put them in a the salad, they're great. Um, but one good thing about them is that when you're fermenting food, you're adding a lot of vitamins to it. So Sometimes you're adding your, your vitamins, like your C's, you're breaking down and making stuff more biologically available for you. You're increasing the overall uh, like bioavailability, so it's it's really cool. It's a really cool thing to do. Uh, if you're gonna like, how do we, we preserve salt and stuff? We just put that stuff in Ziploc bags, mm-hmm. you know, uh, salt stuff like that. Flour. We uh, I had a, I still got like a, I I follow on Craigslist and, and and Facebook Marketplace and look for people getting rid of jars. Like glass, if you just go on there and mm-hmm. just put in glass. One time, this lady, I don't know if she owned a restaurant retired or whatnot, but we ended up with, God, I don't know, like a hundred gallon like, was it glass, plastic pickle jars? Oh, those are perfect. <laughs> They're great. Freaking love them. Man, just the old-timey one-gallon glass jars. They come in packs of four in a box, and we have at least 100 of them. And about two-thirds of those are full of flour. And one third of those is full of sugar. And then we still, we keep, you know, one or like four or five of them around the house to ferment random stuff in, to make sun tea in, to, to you know, just use as a generic container for things because it's so good to have just, you know, hey, you got some random packets of spices, you know, throw them in there, you know, heck, we got one that's probably almost completely full of little Parmesan cheese packets from <laughs> ordered pizza, but, uh, yeah, so those work out really, really great for everything. If you ever get a hold of those, those are great uh, for storage or fermenting anything else. Uh,
1: Talk to them about um, so the room. It doesn't necessarily have to be super cold, but you always no. want, yeah, um, you know, a, a specific temperature in the room.
0: So one of my one thing that we do that might be different than most people is that we pick a room in the house and we turn that into our food storage room. And, uh, on our last house, it was like, I guess this giant walk-in closet mm-hmm. that had like a little, had a window to the outside, weirdly. I don't know if it used to be part of the bigger room and they just walled it off to make a walk-out, walk-in closet, but that little, that little, uh, window is perfect to put like a small window AC unit in. And so we just kept that room cold, like cool all the time. It kept bugs away. Bugs don't want to be in there when it's cold. They it kept mice away. They don't want to be in there when it's cold. It kept everything else away. And it also just extends the life of anything you put in there.
1: Yeah, it just feels better to know that everything was in a cool in room and you're opening up your jars yeah. of food and stuff. And we also
0: use it like a root cellar. We yeah. put our, our vegetables and our fruit and stuff in there. Never had any fruit fly issues. It's constantly dehumidifying the, the room as well where it's super humid down here. One thing you need to watch out for with that is that like uh, certain things like lettuces and stuff like that would wilt super fast uh, because it is dehy, it's basically a big cold dehydrator. Um, so if you can use it like a root cellar, that'd be a great way to go. Uh, if you have an extra bedroom or extra small room, you could put a it butler's in-
1: pantry. Yeah,
0: just pick your food room and try to keep that area as cool as you can. It was. It's quite. It's quite useful. Uh, dry canning stuff. I've never been a big fan. I see a bunch of people. It, it seemed to be. It, Maybe it's just because it looks cool to have, like, a whole shelf full of, like, dry pasta in, like, quart jars. I'm sorry. It takes up way too much room. The easiest way to store that pasta and stuff like that is just Mylar bags, right? Um, just – they're they're so cheap and easy. They're so – and you can get those uh, – uh, what are the little things that you say don't eat on them all the The
1: oxygen. The,
0: yeah, the oxygen absorbers. Oxygen absorbers. Said, "Don't eat this." Yeah, so we got the oxygen absorbers. You just toss a couple in there. Now, oxygen absorbers and the and the and the, the water absorber ones—they're um—they're stupid cheap, man. They're like like five cents a piece for the big ones, or ten cents a piece for the really big ones. And they're like there's this fancy calculation by the size of the bag that you need to put in there. I've always found just like when sending a letter, add an extra stamp, right? <laughs> so another
1: <laughs> oxygen absorber, but yeah. they have to be the food grade one yeah
0: so you don't yeah uh i always just because they're so cheap and i buy a bunch of them and then they come in a huge like like uh big thick bag you know and i just open the bag and then i just i toss two in there why i mean you can't get any you, nothing's not gonna hurt anything um it will if you're done right kind of suck the, the bag down a little bit looks kind of like you uh vacuum sealed it if you do it right uh, and then we just, we have those heat seal bar dudes. They're just mm-hmm. heat sealers. Yeah. And just plop it on there and then heat seal it twice um, just to be safe. You know, just baby, sure like you to
1: seal down correctly. eighth of
0: an inch, 16 of an inch apart works out really, really well. And you can store stuff like that and then put it inside of a five gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. Before doing bulk rice and bulk beans, what we do is I buy these food grade liners, liners like the bucket liners. And uh, also they're great for uh, marinating meat and mm-hmm. stuff. In them. Man, like three racks of rib fit them, a whole brisket. So I buy these, fa- these five-gallon food-grade bucket liners. And I buy the one specifically for seven-gallon buckets so that I have end up with a whole bunch left over. So we put it down inside of the five-gallon bucket. And we fill it up with whatever we want. Then I twist the top up really good and uh, put my rubber band or around uh, it. Or a zip tie. A zip tie is quite often around it. Then twist it up again, up a little bit higher, and then put another one around it, so that it you know it's zip tied twice. Uh, and then I push the top down, and then I try to leave about a two or three inch space in the top of each bucket, so that I can throw stuff on top of that. Usually it's a bag of salt
1: or, or um, bouillon. bouillon, yeah, yep. uh,
0: or like what like a bag of like chicken bouillon. What what,
1: what brand is Some it? oil that
0: one's actually Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, there's no pollo and, and Maggie. Uh, it already comes in a badass bag that is, you know, going to last many, many years. But the thing is, is that like, if you had to grab a, bu- a couple of, like, you know, there's a fire coming or, or something bad's happening, you need to leave really quick, and you don't want to end up, you know, living out of the, off the side of the road on your, your food stores, and you go and grab a couple of buckets from your long-term storage, and you end up with a bucket that's just rice and a bucket that's just beans. That is going to suck. Can you live off it? Yes. But after day two, you're going to be trying to trade people for salt and pepper and spices and stuff. So we find if we throw that in there already, we had, uh, I went with Walmart. We bought a, a dollar thing, a black pepper, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the, the, the big shaker, like the metal shaker kind, the big one. Uh, and then a thing of bullion and like all the rice gets the chicken bullion. All of the, um, all the beans get like either pork or, or beef bullion. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, black pepper, some salt, uh, and, and like maybe a couple of the packages of spices that we see here we have. And the purpose of that is to make it not so freaking boring. You don't want to get food. You don't want to get just food blindness because you've seen people you'll see in long-term situations of people who have had to live off of the stores of their food that they go, oh, man, I wish I had stored a variety or I wish I had stored something to make it taste better. Because, man, I stored lots and lots of mashed potatoes, uh, you know, uh, like uh, pastas and uh, rice and beans. But, yeah, I kind of forgot to add anything to make it taste palatable. So we try to put that in every bucket. Then we pop the lid on, like the Gamma Top lids, and, uh, but we buy them um, from Tractor Supply. Because Tractor Supply is the pound-down Gamma Top lids with the little seal that you can pop and then screw on or screw off for really, really competitively priced compared to what you can get them for on Amazon. So works really well and a lot better than the Gamma brand Gamma lids, which are just really, really overpriced and made on the exact same machines. So
1: Tractor Supply actually comes in clutch for oh, quite a bit of things. We, uh, we get our our pectin there sometimes. Yeah. you know they have good sales on pectin. Sometimes they surprise us with good seeds and bulbs. You know. Yeah. Um, and then we get our you know food grade buckets there.
0: Oh man, uh, I wish they'd bring that. Oh, the back.
1: canners. We got our canners there too. Yeah.
0: Uh, we've got canners there. When the canners go on sale, I'm going to tell you right now that the best place to buy your canner is going to be Blaine's Farm and Fleet, and that's going to be doing online the uh 23 quart uh pressure canner uh, that's also induction up, like compatible and you can also use it outside on your propane grill uh, your propane stand they're going to be $109.99 with the free shipping so uh they haven't changed that dang price in 4 years uh and I keep buying uh, we have a whole fleet of them now it was much 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 cheaper for us to buy multiple uh 23 quart canners than it was for us to buy one of those ginormous ones. That uh now, don't get me wrong. If somebody would love to sponsor us <laughs> and give us one of those thousand-dollar, like sixty-quart pressure canners from Liberty or whoever, whoever's making them these days, I I'll I love it. I, 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 I will.
1: It'll tell you how many jars fit in
0: it. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'll get. I'll let you tattoo something on me, but no. No. I was like, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Um. So he. Take up on that—that that was something on my forehead. Yeah, but uh, yeah, all American. If you want to, you want to gift us one of those really di- ridiculous All Americans. That'd be great. Um, but it's much more cost effective, and we're able to do a lot more if with a fleet of twenty-three quart pressure canners. So the bigger pressure canners for a hundred dollars. And I mean, I think I'm up to ooh twelve of them right now. um is that I run 12 of those pressure canners. It seems like a lot of pressure canners until you come to harvest season. So I'll run 12 pressure canners on six of these... Uh, gr- who makes it? I buy them at Academy, the little two-burner outdoor chef. Outdoor chef makes a two-burner uh, gas-like cooktop stoves that are outside. They have little legs on them that stand up about three foot tall. Super convenient to for everything to fit in them and fit on them. You can really, really easily control them. They just sip the fuel if you uh, use if you use them just canning. You just want them to be kind of like you don't want to crank it up all the way high. You want to crank it up to about about uh, two thirds of the way there. Let it get to where it starts hissing, and then turn it down to about where it's about a quarter flame and. Just run your canners that way. Um, it's much easier for me to run six of those on six different, like, 20-pound uh, propane tanks. And I'm getting six to eight runs per propane tank. That's your watch, sweetheart. I don't know why your watch is playing music. Is it hooked to her thing? It's
1: on my watch.
0: Yeah, it is. It's your watch. It's my watch.
1: That's weird.
0: Your watch is playing music. Sorry, uh, it's much easier. We get distracted easily, Bunny. Where? Uh, but uh, the um, it's much easier to run those uh, than it is for us to buy one really really big pressure canner that takes four or five hours to come to heat and then four or five hours to 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 cool back down. Right? With with these, we can I can run say three cook three burners so six pressure canners at a time and just sit outside and do that and inside my wife can be loading up the other pressure canners Mm -hmm. and other jars with stuff and when one's done i can take it off of the off of the heat with gloves like by the nice handles and set it down on the concrete pad or on the ground or off thank you
1: uh
0: honey uh set it down on you know A nice table that's heat resistant and stuff like that um, so that we can move on to the next one, throw the next one right out there on the burner and keep going. So we kind of have a assembly line type thing going on when we're doing uh, canning season. Canning's going, rocking really hard. Mm -hmm. When we are uh, water bath canning, I don't like to add cold jars directly to boiling water. Bad stuff happens. They explode. They burn. They pop. Um, I find that even when I'm pressure canning, I like to add, like, have the water cool and everything, you know, in cool inside the pressure canner and then add it to heat. Now, either way, if I'm water bath canning or pressure canning, I do like to add some vinegar uh, to the water to keep water spots off of my uh, jars so they come out nice and pretty. I've also used uh, citric acid. The citric acid is so cheap. It's something you should, everybody, every homestead should always have some citric acid. You can clean with it. You can uh, make things tart, a little bit more tart with it if you want. It's great for getting rid of water spots on anything. Uh, it's great for canning. It's just all around, it's super cheap. And uh, I don't even remember what brand I use nowadays, but it's big. Oh, it's right there. Yeah. sound effects it's called uh milliard brand home essential citric acid 100 pure and a 10 pound bag it costs it's for home garden laundry and bath and for so it's food grade it's super great it cost me uh i think like i think i paid like a dollar a pound so maybe 10 or 12 bucks for that whole thing adding a, a quarter of a cup to your laundry also does amazing things for keeping it soft. Even if you hang it up on outside on a clothesline, it'll help keep it a little bit softer. You don't want to do that with cotton or something like that because it'll start eating all the threads. But uh, like Matt, works out really well. So we've covered canning. We've covered dehydrating. We've covered freeze drying. We've covered a little bit of the whole pickling and fermenting type things. We've covered some uh, saving some dehydrated stuff. Uh, We've covered. What are you Water missing? Glass Water eggs. glass eggs. We've covered quite We've covered a, bit. a bit. We have to get. To, oh, we always forgot to do is we forget we haven't done. Did you do your news?
1: No, I have to do my news. Let's
0: do your news.
1: Okay, so guys, interesting things around the world. Actually, something really interesting that popped up. Um, you know that that really stood out to me today was uh, the USDA has announced two funding programs that will expand meat processing options for underserved and tribal communities. Um, these programs, um, you know, f- are for harvesting and meat processing grants. Um, and so that We're not kind just of- talking about
0: like tribal, the under underserved, there are many places. We're kind of in a food desert. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, like, especially like Texas, I think it's only down to like four major meat processors now. And the line there's long. They're talking about like if your community doesn't have a meat processor, you someone in your community can apply for this grant and open up a meat
1: processor. Yeah, which is really cool, and it ties into like the whole you know um, we're concerned with the the system, the house of cards falling, right? Um, And that's why there's an emphasis and a focus on micro farming, micro meat processing, you know, uh, communities to self sustain. Um, you know, to fend for themselves basically. Uh, so this is a really neat program. So I highly encourage you if, if you're interested in any type of meat processing or butchery, uh, go and take some classes, you know, apply for these grants, see what it takes to, to get qualified for these grants. But the grant? it's like $125 million that is available uh, through these grants. So
0: $75 million for innovative projects.
1: Yep. $75 million for innovative projects. For local projects meat provide, processing. Yep. Nice that's cool right that's really better cool. market potential for local and regional smaller scale livestock and poultry producers so again if, if you're just not a fan of of those big huge meat plants or meat processing plants and you kind of it's want to provide the community my, with some local focus, foods and and
0: it's for equipment processing, equipment, then, equipment projects
1: yeah
0: uh expansion or uh for local livestock producers that are focused on local ranchers, so pretty much all you homesteaders out there could qualify for this. That's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely something that we want to look into as we uh, purchase our land here shortly. So, super excited about this.
0: We're getting real close. We're we've a uh, man. We're just right there. Finished up with some more paperwork today. Uh. Well, yeah, I
1: mean it's been a, it's been a long process because we're trying to buy land and buy a new a house. Home. So um it's two different entities that we're having to purchase from, and they have to talk to each other. And there's a lot of back and forth. Um, so it just buying makes a house it a more, should not
0: be more difficult than buying a, a car.
1: Yeah, it just makes if it you really have money,
0: long- you should trade money. Four
1: house, yeah, but
0: not. There's so much BS. Yeah,
1: when you're buying, involved, and now it's just a longer, drawn-out oh, process. And good Lord, really patient, but um, we have we've been super patient, so we're we're getting ready to get to the finish line, and we can see the light uh, in the other tunnels. Um, so we're excited. We're completely stoked. So we're gonna be doing all kinds of stuff, and that's when you'll really see our TikTok jumping, um, because we're gonna share all kinds of videos with you guys, how tos, you know, um. And just teach you and that way you know you can follow us on our journey and you can start maybe we'll have more well.
0: entertaining arguments
1: <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah maybe oh the arguments happen when i put things away because my husband claims that i away things she
0: aways things um, <laughs> away,
1: is away is a mythical place
0: away is a mythical place no it doesn't exist it's just away
1: no my husband
0: Where's it at? it's away. Think, i put like, away what does it weigh?
1: If it's in the middle of the table, like it should just stay at the middle of the table. No, no I have a. Place I know where it's at. No, middle of the table. that does not work for that's me. That is not my love that's language. That's a short. My term. love language is is OCD. You know, that's a short. And the term reason place. that I like to be so organized and structured, I mean, he he can find anything, right? But I'm not. I don't work that way. I don't operate that way. I like to say organized and structured because I don't want to buy things over and over and over again. You know, which has happened to me. Like, I have like six glue guns and six cans. That's because you away things,
0: and I can't ever find (laughs) them. it's just easier for me to buy a new one because I'm like, where'd you put it away? You look, I put it away. Where's away? In the
1: drawer? Like, is that a generic drawer? No. That's that that is how many drawers? Which drawer? drawer? I don't oh jeez! I drawers. have to draw him a blueprint so they can find each individual item and you know of looking. He's such a I'll mad. be back.
0: I'll be going to go This home is the way home. men look
1: <laughs> for things, you know. But no, really, I like to stay organized. That way, I'm not doubling up on things that I've already purchased, and so that way, it's just it's or
0: more cost effective. If you just don't, if you're just really tired of losing your your your, your can opener, buy one of those giant swing line <laughs> can. Yeah,
1: operators. the one that attaches to the counter. Yeah,
0: giant yeah. swing line. Trust me, it'll freaking open everything. Yeah, you got to open a small bunker, done. You want to open a tiny little baby food jar, good to go. But you can't weigh it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) touche, touche. Yeah,
0: yeah, they work really, really, really well. Last your lifetime. Your grandkids, grandkids won't. Yeah, Uh, if they know what to do with it. Because if you were dude, did you see that uh, that YouTube video uh, of they handed kids a can? And asked them to open it,
1: and they don't tell me they were dumbfounded.
0: They had a can and a can opener.
1: Oh, and they Jesus, didn't
0: this know is how to operate it.
1: This is what's wrong with this generation. But honestly, um, if you want to teach, you know, if you want to gift your grandkids and and somebody a gift, teach them skills. Yeah, teach them how to do things. Teach them how to survive. Have them spend time with you. Have them experience, you know, um, learning with you, and just you know, enjoying your time and company. I mean, there's no, no better gift than that, guys. So definitely think outside the box when it comes to gift. It doesn't have to be just gifts, you know, or, you know, something, a toy or whatever. It can actually be skills and, and something that they're going to learn or something that they're going to use for their entire life.
0: Let's uh, talk about, let we do farm animal of the week. I haven't done farm animal of the week ever. yet. that's going to be a Catonix quail. You need a little bitty quails in your life, guys. They're not only adorable, they're super quiet. They're delicious. I'm a so I, uh, big proponent of the Texas A&M variety. They're white, so they leave, don't leave the little pin feathers on the carcass. Uh, they start laying eggs at about four to six weeks old, and they lay the largest egg per body size. So three of their little eggs equals one chicken egg. Uh, they lay an egg a day constantly. You want to keep them in pins, little pins, about the same size as like your rabbit or guinea pig pen. Um, of one male to four or five females, and they'll just constantly lay eggs. They don't make a lot of noise. The girls make this little trilling noise. Only thing is, the boys make a um, like a like a kind of like you know a lost sound if they're separated from the girls. There, are lots of pla- lots of places you can get away with having like fifty dang quails in your backyard. And nobody's even gonna know you have quails. So, uh, and you can. You can pick all the crap out of their eggs. They're super good. They freeze dry well. They dehydrate well. They're just delicious. They're great for baking and everything else. If you get people who are allergic to chicken eggs, they are not going to be allergic to quail eggs. They don't even have the same protein. So happiness and sunshine works really well. That is going to be your animal of the week. Um, I like that animal
1: of the week, and it's delicious. It's my favorite. Honestly, it's my favorite. I love quail.
0: Well, it's really hard not to like something that – okay so you go let's say you get on craigslist and you well there's two different ways to buy quails one is you go to the asian grocery store and you buy the little quail eggs that are for sale and you take those home and you hatch them they hatch you can hatch your quails right from those eggs but that requires you to have a um incubator uh and like not everybody has an incubator but quails hatch in 15 days man 15 days two weeks you go for a little bitty quail to like little bitty eggs, little bumblebee-sized quails. Now, uh, you have to have a cage ready for the stinky little quails because little guys can really get out of anything. They can run through half-inch wire. So you got your your half-inch hail cloth wire. Like chicken wire, man, they can j- j- just run right through there like it's nothing. But they can run, dead quail baby run. They're like little jelly beans, little furry jelly beans, right through that half-inch wire. So you use quarter inch wire or smaller for them for their first like you know like two weeks of life so they go from egg to once they're hatched after they're hatched that's day one you're gonna butcher them on uh, on like day 45 so six weeks in and they're ready and it kind of died there sorry about that guys uh (laughs) we had a little bit of an issue um, basically we ended up with having a little bit of audio problems, not a big deal. I'm going to try to fix it and measure it out to here. So what you don't want to do is you don't want, uh, to let your coil go for a super long time. Like, like we were saying that, uh, they're ready to go into freezer camp at, uh, like six to eight weeks. If you wait longer than that, they'll get much larger, but then they become super tough. And you don't want to do that when they're super tough. Um, after that, your quail, we had our, uh, tree of the week. So our tree of the week is the Pakistan mulberry. Pakistan mulberry is a little bit different than regular mulberry. It loves zones six to 10. Everybody's always complaining that your mulberries have like, they drop a ton of berries. They're everywhere. They stain everything. They bring a bunch of caterpillars, whatnot. That's because everybody's using them wrong. You need to plant your mulberry tree in your chicken coop. And let your chickens and your ducks and everything else eat those fallen berries. I like the Pakistani mulberry; it's it's sweeter and not as sour. It tastes somewhere between uh, a raspberry and a blackberry, so like a boysenberry type thing. It uh, makes much larger fruit that are much uh, better in um, that are much lower in liquid, so they're much easier to use in jams, jellies, grapes. Uh, sorry, jams, jellies, and baking than your regular old uh, mulberry. Now you can use a regular mulberry in place of the Pakistani mulberry. Uh, Pakistani mulberry to me is just much easier to pick. It has a four to a three to five inch type fruit, so they're about you know average about four inches. So it's much easier to pick than the little bitty blackberry-sized regular mulberries. I enjoy them immensely. Uh, they're super good for everything. If if you've got bugs or critters and stuff like that that fall off of your your the tree, the your chickens are gonna eat it. How I normally harvest them is that I lay out a sheet or a old blanket underneath the tree and then just hit the tree with a broom, and whatever falls down falls down. Happiness and sunshine. Super easy, super easy to take care of. You just gotta kind of race your chickens to 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 what's left. Now uh plants of the week is going to be the uh thai chili and that's just because we were thai chili-ing earlier uh chili peppers uh most of them have been um and in the wild they grow underneath trees because they're bird they're mostly spread by birds birds go in there and they poop out the seeds underneath the trees and the trees they grow then in like the dappled shade that is the trees so that's gonna be where you're gonna win as far as that goes, is plant if you instead of having an area around your trees where you're going to uh, plant flowers and stuff, you can plant your uh mulberry you can plant your peppers. Sorry, I'm kinda of distracted. I'm not exactly sure what my daughter's doing. Is she, is that a potty dance? That's
1: a potty dance. That's a potty dance. Holy
0: crap, it's potty dance. We've been trying to do like Actually, get serious about body, like like potty training, and she was just dancing in circles, kind of loosely flapping her arms, and that was like kind of distracted. I was like, okay, this is what this is our new uh this is our new reality, but um, yeah, no potty dance, sweet. So that's good. That's that's good. We potty, you can potty on your mulberry tree; it'll appreciate it.
1: I'll take it. I'll, yeah. take it. I'll
0: take the distraction. I'm sorry, guys. no, it's a win all the way around. Uh, yeah, so of your, if you you'll see a lot more success if you plant your peppers in a more dappled sunlight area instead of just out there in rows. The only time that I would suggest you plant them out in rows is if you live up north, and by north I mean north of Oklahoma. So basically, southern Canada. <laughs> if you're down here in the south, plant them next year. Next to trees, next to houses, next to fence lines. Kind of uh, simulate where birds might poop them out when they were perching, and you'll do a lot better with your peppers. Overall, so we've gotten our plant of the week, our tree of the week, our animal of the week. We did your news story already.
1: News
0: story. What are I missing?
1: That sums it up, and next week, we're looking forward to having you guys back on, and we're going to be discussing um, animal husbandry, so Eric here is a jack of all, what, what, what is it, jack of all trades, or what, jack of all trades, master of none, or?
0: Well, you keep getting quieter.
1: Oh, sorry. Um. So, no, so we're going to be having our show next week on animal husbandry, how to raise your animals, how to process your animals, whether or not you're going to. Have them for, you know, companions or, you know, meat animals. Uh, so we'll cover that next week. So we're really looking forward to that show. Um and that is about it. That covers today's show.
0: Does that include like cats?
1: <laughs> no.
0: Cats aren't food.
1: <laughs> no, cats are not food. Oh. Don't mess with cats. How <laughs> did you learn this?
0: Well, I'm just thinking like, you know, like a lot elf... of cat
1: lovers out there. We love cat lovers and cats love you. Does and... anybody remember Alf? <laughs> Oh, I loved Alf. He hated
0: <laughs> he ate
1: cats. He hated cats.
0: He but ate like, them. He, he ate cats. Yeah,
1: you're like, you're like Alf. He ate them. For sure. Um, but no, uh, on a serious note, though, we are going to teach you how to, you know, have these animals as a food source uh, for you and your family.
0: And some alternate uh, type of livestock as well. Like uh, guinea pigs, surprisingly, make really easy to take care of and nutritious little critters that you can get for free. Um, rabbits. Um, quail.
1: I love quail. Uh,
0: quail is so delicious. Duckies, geeses. We'll, we'll cover uh, how stupid uh, sheep are. <laughs> sheep just literally spend their entire lives coming up with creative ways to die.
1: And cows. Some cows are, they surprise me on the ranch, actually. Oh,
0: remember that time the cow decided to eat the electrical line yeah. off of the pump jack? Not a good idea. Oh, Not my Lord. Idea. Like, sparks fire Cabo- everywhere. Cabo- Loud Cabo- kaboom. Kabo- we go over there. There's a smoky cow. Hey, he chewed on what is it? 640? 640? volt. We're six eighty. He didn't make it. Yeah. But,
1: uh, that was an interesting like, sight. Yeah. But uh, okay, well, <laughs> let's wrap it up with saying something sweet.
0: Oh yeah, say something nice. We're supposed to say like, uh, "Don't mamas, don't let your cows <laughs> chew on electrical lines."
1: That too. Um, but. My nice nicety or my nice thing to say would be, you know, spend some time learning some skills and then spend some time sharing those skills and create experiences and moments. Uh, life is short, guys, and you don't want to rely on someone else to provide you with food and sustenance or anything like that. You know, you want to have control of your life and you want to make sure that your loved ones are taken care of as well. So definitely spend some time learning some skills. Um, that is my recommendation for the week. So, you know, next week. When we do have the option for you to call in and share, you know, the new skills that you learned. You know, we'd love to talk to to you about those. Um, Yeah, we should do a phone show. Yeah, I want to do a phone show. I want to do a show where, you know, members of our audience can give us a call and, you know, just, you know, we'll kick the can around and just talk about new things, old things, you know, what you've learned, what you want to learn. And, you know, we'll go from there. But really looking forward to doing that with our listeners.
0: We should. Yeah, we should do a uh, maybe we should do a live show later this week. Because that would be really easy to do. live the live show, call-in show. We'll just, everybody grab a beer and sit around and BS. It would be great. Yeah.
1: Heck yeah. So look forward to those guys. Live call-in shows.
0: uh, For me, the the sweet thing of the day or the nice thing of the day is going to be, if you have grandparents that aren't crazy, or even if they are crazy, but in the fun way, go talk to them. Like, see if they can, if they'll tell you foods that they remember eating. And ways that they remember, like gardening and farming and stuff, um, and this is this works with pretty much everybody. We're only what two elderly generations away from uh, cowboys and Indians days, all <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: like, and some of their old timey ways will surprise you. Oh you yeah! You know what I learned one day that they used to keep cool by putting wet sheets on doorways. And yeah. allowing the breeze to come through. And it felt kind of like uh, air conditioning. So I was
0: like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and houses used to be built different to have airflow. Now mm-hmm. they're not. They're meant to keep everything out. But, yeah, if you get a chance... And if you don't, you can always go to a nursing home. And, I mean, go and talk to some of those people. Those
1: people are lonely, guys.
0: They're lonely, guys. You know, like,
1: we'll I keep them company.
0: work in, them. in EMS, and I'm in and out of those places all the time. And they're lonely. But humans have got... Americans, have gotten to this point where we take our elderly and as soon as mom can't bend over and tie her own shoes, we, we shove her off into a nursing home where we pay them to quietly kill her so we don't have to watch. Not cool. Um, and it used to be that, that, that aging in place and aging with, surrounded by your family was a big thing. And now it's not. Now they're lucky to get a bath once a week and they're lucky to have a visitor once a month and get a phone call or a text message every day from their loved one that just slowly forgets about them. So those people are starving to tell stories, and my gosh, they'll have some great ones. You want to talk to them, hey, do you have any old recipes you'd like to share with me and my family? You will be swamped with people coming over to your table and sharing recipes that they've had in their family for, for 100 generations. You know, you, I've gotten some recipes from people that were way before the Mayflower. You know, and it's just, just from talking to them. Their kids might not be interested in doing this. Their grandkids sure as heck probably aren't. And it's not going to hurt. They want to pass it on. It's not going to hurt you at all to go and say hi. The The COVID restrictions are over now. Pretty much anybody can go in there and visit anybody. All you got to do is go to the front desk and go, hey, I would like to come in here and um, just talk to people, uh, visit with folks and maybe collect some recipes. And they're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, hey, hold on. Let me bounce it over the the intercom because we have a whole bunch of real bored people that would love to talk to you. It's fun. Another cool thing is that most nursing homes allow you to bring in beer. And most of them actually have a bar in there. Like the the old people can order drinks. So you can literally go make a night of it. It's cool. (laughs) Go have drinks with some 90-year-old dude. And let them talk about times on the farm. It's cool shit. I'd do that. It's fun. America. <laughs> anyway, that's about... She's giving me the the wrap it up hand side.
1: Wrap it up hand side. Wrap it up hand
0: side. The goat of... Wrap,
1: wrap it up. No, seriously, though. I'm I'm beat. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. We work full-time jobs, guys. Yeah. So we're doing this, you know, at our, you know, on our off time and trying to just... Put some knowledge out there, help everyone else around us, and that's going to pay us forward and, and pay it all forward.
0: So, so love our love our listeners, guys. Uh, Australia picking up the pace. We've got four subscribers coming in from Australia, which is pretty cool, pretty awesome all together. Um, Thailand, uh, love you. Germany
1: it. loves us. Germany loves us. Germany showing us
0: love. Yeah, they're they're coming in good. A couple guys from France too, so that's pretty neat. Das
1: Boot. That's all i know how to say. <laughs> <laughs> Scheisse Okay
0: (laughs) Alright Don't piss off Our German listeners
1: (laughs) Love you guys Love you guys Have a good
0: night Y'all have a wonderful day Uh, There's a button here And